Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesdays at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Starbucks expected to reopen in May by Joanna K. Zavallis. Belmont's largest residential and retail development, the Bradford in Cushing Square, broke ground two years ago. When completed, there will be three separate buildings with 112 luxury apartments and 38,000 square feet of retail space. The first of the three buildings to rise from the ground was the Winslow, where Starbucks uh, will be opening in May. Last July, the Zoning Board of Appeals uh, unanimously voted, approved the application for Starbucks to operate a 42-seat, 2,455-square-foot fast-food restaurant at 110 Trapello Road at the July 9th public hearing. The operating hours were approved for 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. It is the anchor tenant of the Winslow, located on the corner of Trapello and Williston Roads. Exterior and interior finish works are in progress. In a press release from Toll Brothers Apartment Living, Project Manager Otto Weiss said the Highland, which is on the corner of Belmont and Commons Streets, is expected to open by late fall of this year. Framing of the residential floors has begun and they will soon start with roofing and exterior work. The Panoma, which is the largest of the three buildings located on the corner of Trapello Road and Common Street, will not open until March of 2020. Structure, steel, and wood framing has begun. The Panoma will be the last of the buildings to be completed and will finish in early 2020. The entire project is expected to wrap up by the spring of 2020. In September of 2017, Smith Legacy Partners Series filed a lawsuit in the Middlesex County Civil Court against the Toll Brothers, the developer of the Bradford, formerly known as Cushing Village, for $20 million. A total of six lots were sold by Smith Legacy Partners to Toll Brothers, on October 19, 2016, for $14,260,000, according to MassLandRecords.com. The lots in Belmont are 102 to 104 Trapello Road, 112 Trapello Road, 7 Horn Road, 495 to 501 Common Street, 505 to 507 Common Street, and 527 Common Street and the municipal parking lot. Toll Brothers would not comment on the lawsuit other than to say that there can be no progress on the retail end of the, vel- of the development and they will not be able to sign any tenants until it is resolved. As previously reported in the Belmont Citizen Herald, the lawsuit centers on the Toll Brothers' requirement to perform the environmental cleanup in accordance with a special permit that Smith 
uh, Partners Series um, secured for the project. Before the property transfer, both parties agreed to a cleanup budget of $1.3 million, with changes to be mutually approved by SLP and Toll Brothers. After the land was transferred, SLP accused Toll of increasing the cleanup budget to $4.2 million and urged SLP to sell out its retail option to its partners if they would not cover the cost increase. The lawsuit alleges Toll Brothers did not provide enough documentation and failed to acquire SLP's approval as required under the purchase and sale agreement. They said there there wasn't any chance of the site's environmental conditions to justify the massive increases in cleanup cost. As previously reported in the Citizen Herald, damages are being sought in excess of $20 million. SLP is asking the court to triple damages based on toll acting in bad faith and unfair deceptive business practices. They are also seeking more than $60 million in direct and punitive damages. We are suing them because we have reason to believe that they are using these unjustified increases in environmental cleanup costs to eliminate our retail option and participation in the future of the Bradford, said Chris Starr, managing partner of SLP. Weiss would not comment on the pending lawsuit. And over to my colleague, Claire. Thank you, Bob. Police, public work, projects going out to bid by Joanna K. Zavallis. Plans have been drawn up and approved for renovations to the Belmont Police Station and Department of Public Works facility. Anne-Marie Mahoney, chairman of the building committee for both projects, said the projects should be out to bid by March 1st. They hope to start construction on both in June. The police station will take about one year to complete. The committee is working to determine the best location for placing the police department and its many functions during the construction. Town Hall with additional trailers is presently the main consideration, according to Mahoney. The final location will be announced February 25th. The Public Works project is expected to be completed by the end of this year. Public Works Renovations The Public Works facility located at 37C Street is getting a a 1,980-square-foot addition on the back of its existing building. Mahoney said the addition will be less expensive than adding a modular to the building, and it will add another 10 years of life to the building before it needs to be completely reconstructed. The addition will add locker space, laundry area, Multi-purpose room that can be converted to a sleeping space will be handicap accessible and have better ventilation, office for temporary contractors, and a break room. The total cost of the project is estimated to be under $1.5 million, according to Mahoney. Police Station Renovations The historic Belmont Police Station, located at 460 Concord Ave, will be getting a three-story addition, adding 50 years of life to the building. Starting from the ground up, the addition will add storage space, equal male and female locker, shower, and restroom facilities, a three-bay garage, sally port, office space, 
gun lockup, interview and booking space, new prison cells for males and females, a public meeting room, roll call room, new staircase, handicap accessible elevator, handicap entrance, parking, and sprinkler system. The total project is estimated to cost $7 million. Originally, the estimate was 6.2, but it has gone up due to the additional renovations of the existing building that will now be part of the project. Mahoney said they may have to ask town meeting to approve the additional funds. Now over to Max. Thank you, Claire. Belmont mourns loss of town meeting member Joseph Scally by Joanna Kate Savellis. Belmont resident Joseph Scally was known to many around town, a familiar face as the clerk for Precinct 3 at the polls during election season, a Precinct 2 town meeting member for 22 years, a graduate of Belmont High School's class of 1950, and a Korean War veteran who served in the Air Force. After a long battle with bladder cancer, Scally passed away on February 1st. Other contributions Scally made to the town include serving as Belmont's representative to the Minuteman Technical School Committee, co-founding of the Bays Soccer Program, coach of basketball, hockey, and baseball, and treasurer of the Belmont Hall of Fame. Scally was a semi-pro soccer player for the Air Force. Scally was married to his wife, Marianne, for 58 years and the father of three children, Marianne, Joseph, and Richard. He also leaves behind nine grandchildren and one great-grandchild. He would have turned 86 on July 16th. He was born in the Belmont home where he grew up on, Hill, on Hall Street. Marianne said she first met Joe when she was 15 and he was 17 when they were in a wedding together. She met him again when they were paired as bridesmaid and usher at another wedding. They served as town meeting members together and they served as warden and clerk for Precinct 3 from 1994 to 2018. Marianne describes Joe as a numbers guy who could analyze the financials for projects. He always believed in technical education, she said, which is why the Minuteman was so important to him. My husband's philosophy of life was to keep going, said Marianne. She said that is helping her get through this difficult time. Selectman Chairman Adam Dash served on the Community Preservation Act Study Committee with Scally. He always raised questions about what was going to be best for the town. He also worked hard as the town's representative to the Minuteman Technical School and was a proponent of technical education, as he stated often at town meetings. Joe's selfless giving of one's time to help the general community will be sorely missed, wrote Dash in an email to the Citizen Herald. Town moderator Michael Widmer said when he thinks of Scally, he thinks of sincerity and kindness. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Belmont is a climate action leader, but there's still work to do. This is submitted by the Belmont Light. As a recent newcomer to town, Belmont Light General Manager Chris Roy said that he is proud to have joined a team of Belmont residents, town officials, and Belmont Light employees with a proven record of climate successes. But, he said, there is still more to be done for Belmont to reach its climate goals. Among the many noteworthy accomplishments, the major highlights were as follows. Over the past two years, the Belmont Drives Electric Campaign has been the most successful electric vehicle promotion program in the state. 
December 2018 alone saw a record number of 24 electric vehicles added to Belmont streets in one single month, bringing the total number of electric vehicles in Belmont to over 200, according to the state's website for electric vehicle rebates. Belmont Light was designated the top municipal light plant in the state for clean energy and climate action by the Massachusetts Climate Action Network, which noted Belmont has been a leader in transparency with their customers about what qualifies as non-carbon emitting and renewable energy. MCAN held the energy portfolio page on Belmont Light's website as a model for other MLPs to follow. The resident group behind the 2016 Belmont Goes Solar campaign created the most successful residential solarization campaign in the state. The group shattered its original goal of 100 new solar installation in Belmont. As of this month, there are over 300 new solar installations in town since the beginning of the BGS campaign. Belmont Light quadrupled the number of home energy assessments performed for residential customers from 2017 to 2018. In 2019, Belmont Light will roll out a program for commercial customers that will provide energy assessments for small businesses. As Roy praised past achievements, he pointed to a number of opportunities for Belmont to keep the momentum going to attain the climate goals, including, it was announced recently, that Belmont will be one of six communities chosen to participate in the 2019 Heat Smart Campaign, an educational and group purchase program that aims to convert older, less efficient cooling and heating systems to cleaner, more efficient heat pump systems that actually save money and energy. Throughout the spring, Belmont residents can expect to hear much more about this program as a new promotional campaign in the spirit of Belmont Goes Solar and Belmont Drives Electric kicks off. The Belmont Energy Committee is developing a roadmap to set achievable benchmarks in the town's pursuit of its climate action plan goals. In concert with the roadmap, Belmont Light will be releasing a strategic plan that incorporates the roadmap energy goals, including beneficial electrification, switching appliances, and other items that traditionally use fossil fuels over to electricity while increasing energy efficiency and reducing pollution. Belmont Light also has a goal of sourcing 100% of its electric supply from renewable energy by the year 2022. And now over to Claire. Thank you, Bob. How to Tell Captivating Stories by Joanna K. Zavellis. Belmont resident and communications strategist Greg Stone recently published his second book, Branding with Powerful Stories, The Villains, Victims, and Heroes Model. Stone uses his life and work experiences to demonstrate how people and companies can convey a compelling message in any setting by incorporating villains, victims, and heroes. Any thinking manager who wants to improve his or her communication skills, including newcomers to leadership, 
seasoned speakers, senior executives, or anyone who wants to rise in prominence or rank. The techniques are useful for many different audiences, customers, colleagues, job interviewers, or the media, said Stone. Stone has lived in Belmont for 24 years. He received his bachelor's degree from Harvard University and two master's degrees from Columbia University in business and journalism. He has received three Emmy nominations over the years and founded Stone Communications in 1989. In 2016, he published his first book, Artful Business, 50 Lessons from Creative Geniuses. When he's not writing, Stone conducts media and presentation skills workshops for a broad range of clients, including Fidelity, Harvard Business School, IBM, Mass General Hospital, Timberland, and World Wide Web Consortium. The Belmont Citizen Herald recently asked Stone about his newest book. What inspired you to write this new book? Ever since I was a young boy, I have always appreciated a tale well told. In my consulting practice, I have found that most executives find storytelling difficult. They resort to abstractions or generalities when they should be putting the audience on the scene with specific sensory details. Hope the book will help. What was your greatest challenge during the writing of this book? Summarizing many complex thoughts culled from literature, the arts, and businesses. What is the main message or takeaway you hope readers will get from this book? Of the three parties in any effective story, the villain, the victim, and the hero, the scoundrel is the most important. Why? Because great villains make great movies, as Hitchcock said. The same is true in business, where, quote, the bad guys need not be animate. They can be anything that causes pain, expense, or frustration for the customers, who are, in effect, the victims. The heroes, of course, are the companies that improve the lives of those who buy their products or services. Now, here's Max. Thanks, Claire. A weed wedding expo is coming to town. Let's set the scene. It's the morning of your dream wedding, and after over a year of stressful planning with your spouse-to-be, everything has, finally, fallen into place. Your outfit looks amazing, the centerpieces pop just like you wanted, and your granny just set off the smoke detector with a six-foot dab rig you rented for the reception hall while your entire family cheers her on. Sounds like your kind of party? While a man-sized dab rig might be a bit over the top, in states with legal recreation, recreational marijuana, a small niche market that provides high-end cannabis catering for weddings is increasingly popular. And like most other trends from the West Coast states that had the vision to legalize before us, it's coming east. Specifically, the famed Cannabis Wedding Expo is making plans to have its first East Coast event this October in Boston. This already sounded wild, but an entire convention about it? You'd be surprised. The Boston event is a bit early in the planning stages for any vendors to be announced, but previous conventions saw dozens of vendors offering all kinds of services, from cannabis-infused cakes, hemp bridal dresses, trippy DJs, artisanal ba gift bag cur curators, and more. Other traditional vendors, 
touting certain levels of cannabis friendliness are also welcome. For example, transportation companies, hairdressers, wedding venues, and more. The Expo's website says that hundreds of cannabis-minded couples visit their conventions for ideas. At ticket sales around $15, even the lonely but curious could have a good time checking out the latest in cannabis event planning. All right, let's say I convince my in-laws that this is actually okay to do. What would it look like? Your mileage will actually vary, but a 2018 Forbes article describes a California couple who spent a relatively lavish $8,000 on cannabis services for their wedding, a private reception for 70 guests. The piece describes a, quote, 200-square-foot outdoor dab bar loaded with 50 grams of hash, a vaping area with twinkling lights, and an edibles bar featuring sweets like macaroons, brownies, cookies, organic rose and lavender cotton candy, along with a large jar of chocolate espresso chocolates. It was a low-drama, mellow day, the bride told the magazine. If I hadn't had cannabis, I would have been more stressed, but because I did, I could be more creative and enjoy the experience. And now people are asking me to help them plan their cannabis weddings. In most states with legal bud, including Massachusetts, its, its sale is tightly regulated. Most couples get around this by legally purchasing the marijuana from a third-party legal dispensary, usually with the input of their event bud tender, and gifting the marijuana to their guests, which is, in most circumstances, permitted. Some other legal considerations, such as keeping the marijuana away from underage guests, will still apply, so please make sure you speak with experts beforehand to make sure any gifts you provide your guests comply with the law. Oh, and keep an eye on Grandma. Over <laughs> to you, Bob. That's quite a story, Max. State police roll out body camera program by uh, Nate Holman. State police debuted their body camera pilot program Monday as part of a large-scale operations uh, reform. Officials said that within the next two weeks, approximately 100 state troopers will be equipped with camera devices supplied from several vendors, which will be evaluated over the next six months in order to provide an additional level of accountability and accuracy for troopers during their interactions with the public to increase officer safety and to enhance the ability to accurately document the actions of criminal offenders. Body cameras offer the potential to offer a new level of officer safety, transparency, and accurate documentation to the tens of thousands of interactions our personnel have with the public every year. State Police Superintendent Colonel Kerry Gilpin said in a statement, Other reforms include installing automated vehicle locator systems in all patrol cruisers, eliminating the former Troop E with its duties of patrolling the turnpike and tunnel system rolled into three separate barracks, increasing oversight and capabilities including quarterly audits of the department's top 50 earners, an increased internal affairs and staff inspections section staff for increased accountability, and new contracting with a major audit firm to review the depart departmental payroll functions. 
These measures come in the wake of a slew of scandals which brought federal and state charges of multiple state police troopers and top officials, ranging from interfering with the arrest of a judge's daughter, involvement in drug distribution, and abuse of overtime payments. And now over to Claire. Thanks, Bob. Which way to go? Selectmen to Decide Community Path Route on February 25th by Joanna K. Zavellis. The selectmen have a critical decision to make at their February 25th meeting about the community path route from Brighton Street at the Cambridge Line to the Clark Street Bridge. The decision is an important step to obtain funding from MassDOT's Transportation Improvement Plan for construction of the route. A little more than one year ago, the selectmen approved the route recommended by the Pear Corporation. The consultant that worked with the Community Path Implementation Advisory Committee to develop a feasibility study to determine the best route. The approved route requires riders to cross over the railroad tracks on Brighton Street. On November 16, 2018, Town Administrator Patrice Garvin received a letter from John Ray, Commuter, Commuter Rail and Ferry Operations for the MBTA, in which he expressed dire concern with the bike path changing sides of the rail line at Brighton Street. The letter states, It quickly becomes apparent that a child or other person, either distracted or unaware of the tracks, could venture out into the path of a train without encountering a crossing gate. While the bell would be ringing and the flashes flashing, a cell phone or headphones could create a distraction or interfere sufficiently to contribute to an otherwise needless accident. This accident scenario would be avoided by keeping the bike path on the north side of the track and using an underpass to connect to the high school. Ray and Michael Trapanier, Senior Project Manager for MassDOT's Highway Division, attended the January 28th Selectman Meeting to help board members determine if their chance for TIP funding is in jeopardy without MBTA support. Trapanier indicated that Belmont would have a better chance of getting funding with the MBTA's support of that route. Selectman Vice Chairman Mark Paolillo asked if a gate could be placed on the community path for bicyclists and pedestrians that would be lowered at the same time as the gates for vehicles when a train is approaching. Ray said this is something that he could look into. Now here's Max. Thanks, Claire. Selectman race begins. Two candidates have filed nomination papers for the single three-year seat by Joanna Cates of Ellis. Two candidates have filed nomination papers for this three, the single three-year seat, selectman seat, in the upcoming town election, which will be April 2nd. Roy Epstein filed his papers on February 5th, and Jesse Bennett filed her papers January 17th, which officially makes it a contested race for the seat, which has been occupied by selectman Vice Chairman Mark Paolillo since 2010. Paolillo told the Citizen Herald January 8th he will not seek re-election for a fourth term. He said it was a difficult decision, but he would like to give someone else the opportunity to step in and run while he will spend more time with his family. 
He, he said he is proud of what he has accomplished and feels it is a good time for him to leave. Back to you, Bob. Along with my colleagues, Claire and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont.